That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Michelle Fobega, naturopathic doctor. And I'm Dr. David Miller, ND, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting all the pieces together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of healthcare. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you should know about. Welcome to another episode of that naturopathic podcast. Dr. David Miller, ND here with Michelle Pobig, ND. What's up? Hey, Dave. Hello. We have a, we have a really lovely old uh, friend. guest today. Yeah. Friend? <laughs> old friend. Not old as in like senior citizen old, but just like near and dear and been in our lives for a long time. Uh, we have Dr. Sarah Hawthorne. She's a naturopathic doctor, clinic owner, acupuncturist, mom of three, lover of adventure. Everybody buyer, loves her. Buyer, buyer of land and fighter of freedom and all things good and virtuous. She's phenomenal as a doctor as well. I've personally sent my sister to her because I trust her that much. So Ooh. we have her on our show today to talk about actually a super interesting topic that I don't think really is on a lot of naturopaths radars. We're going to we're going to talk about how to just the whole world around transplant surgeries and maybe as naturopaths, how we can better support those people going through that process. This is a niche topic. Very specific. <laughs> yeah. So Sarah, Sarah, how did, how did this kind of come to be on your radar and a passion of yours? Um, so personally, I've been impacted by the transplant story twice. Um, and then I think professionally, you sort of attract what you're interested in. I think most NDs can concur with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2016, my dad died at um, UHN hospital in Toronto waiting for a liver. He was waiting for a liver um, and died waiting for a transplant. And that situation was stressful to say the least and very disheartening on how the whole procedure went down and the way that they come up with who gets organs and who's on the list and all the political crap that goes on behind the scenes um, just makes you hope that you never have a loved one that needs an organ. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with that, I became a board member on a great um, organization called the Selkirk Liver Society, which start, was started by a woman named Deborah Selkirk, whose husband also died waiting for a liver and fell into the same sort of political scene, I guess, as well. Um, Mm. So we started this, she started this society to raise awareness for people who need livers, who shouldn't be judged based on any other criteria other than they are human beings who need care. And that's all that matters. Then fast forward to 20 the timeline's a bit skewed because of the pandemic push procedure, but I think it was about 2019 when a good friend of mine at a party actually was like, 
oh yeah, I need a kidney. And he said it really <laughs> casually. <laughs> I love it. That totally, like, sounds like, that totally sounds like a friend that would be yours though. Yeah. Right. And then over, and then over like a drink or I was like, oh, I'll do it. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, well, I've got two good ones. Like you can totally have one. <laughs> oh, you're a saint. Honestly. And then he was like, really? It's like, yeah, totally. But he thought I was kidding because it was at a party, but I was not That's kidding. Funny. And I was hundred percent invested in helping him. And then through the pandemic, it just got pushed. We were, we were going to do it and then it got canceled and we were going to do it and got canceled. And then finally it went through on September 22nd of 2021. Hmm. And I donated my left kidney to him. And then started, then I started learning about the other side of organ donation, which was not waiting for, you know, someone on the other side where you're desperately waiting for an organ, but being on the other side where you can actually give the organ. <clears throat> and then through, through supporting him through that process and helping myself through the recovery, um, I've joined an organization called TAP. So the TAP stands for Transplant Ambassador Program. So it's for people who have donated organs, who support other people who are going through the organ donation process, who have questions. So they can call you and say, hey, how, what was this like? What was this like? Um, so I'm part of that program where you are volunteering to help other people who are maybe thinking of donating or in the process of um, donating and who have questions. I remember hearing when you were uh, donating and I was not surprised because I kind of know what you're like. And that's a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> Such a stunning, stunning human all around. Yeah, you really are. And we're not here just to bump up your tires, but I would, I do want to know if there, if the people are doing what you're doing, is there some like camaraderie there? Is there something uh, what's like, what are the people donating organs? Like, are they all like a bunch of Sarah Horth, Hawthorns or, um, so that'd be they're, a pretty, they're pretty great people, I would say. Most I imagine if you're that generous to give, if you're willing to give a chunk of your organ, you have to have some integrity within your the fiber of your being. Like I, I would say, but you know what I found interesting is most people that are though, it's for a family member. Right. Like I would say people, there are some people who do anonymous donations and those people are next level angels. They don't mm -hmm. even know where their organ is going and they're just... They're just saying, go save somebody. And they don't even know who their organ goes to. It's completely anonymous. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I remember even when I was going through the process, people were shocked. Like, oh, you're doing it for a friend? Oh, it's not family? Like, mm -hmm. it, it, that was shocking to people. And I think most people that go through the live living donor, it's typically to a family member. Okay. Like a parent or a child or a brother or a sister or maybe an aunt or an uncle. I guess there would be some pra practicality that too immuno immunologically or yeah i mean if you do a bunch of tests to figure out if you're a match but yeah i would imagine if there's a genetic component it would be a highly mm -hmm. higher likely that you'd be a match right mm -hmm. yeah you had to go through to to be that's the one part i thought was interesting i mean i knew there would be a lot of tests to be a donor but the the battery of tests i had to go through was was crazy right like what what kind of testing did you have to go through so obviously a lot of blood work you have yeah. to make sure that you're a match i had to have a full ct scan um a full ultrasound of all your organs i had to have a mammogram i had to have a pap smear a breast exam uh a lot of blood work that would rule out any cancer markers wow um uh, some genetic tests um 
I think those were the big ones, but a lot of those I'd never had in my life before. Yeah. Yeah, Like I had never had a CT with dye before. Uh Um, So a lot of those were brand new tests for me. So that was, that was interesting. You get like a really good overall health scan and a health assessment to Uh know that you're in good health to be able to to do this procedure. I never really thought about the battery of tests that would be involved in that and yeah, it's like even like a mammogram and stuff. And I was yeah. like, yeah, fully a complete battery of tests. And then you also meet with a social worker um, and they sit with you often to make sure that you feel like you have support to go through this. You feel like it's a good decision um, that you're not just going to, you know, make this decision. And then day before you're going to go, oh, I don't want to do it, which you still can. They very much say that, you know, up to the day before you could still say, wow. you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they want to make sure that you, especially that you have support after. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I'm glad yeah. that that's at least part of the process. Cause it is a very big, a, that's a big deal. Oh yeah. yeah. Huge yeah. deal. So what is the recovery like from something like that? How, how did that, what, what did that kind of look like for you? So I felt my recovery was long in the way, but I'm also very sensitive to pharmaceuticals, mm. you know, naturopaths. Um, <laughs> and the surgery is eight hours, eight hours long that you're under general anesthetic. Sorry, my dog. Um, you're under general anesthetic for eight hours. Wow. So I think a lot of my recovery was I had brain fog from the anesthetic. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was necessarily the pain. It was that I felt really out of it. Um, Which one did they take? Left. Is there a reason that do they always take the left? Is there a reason biochemical so or anatomical? I asked, that, I asked that. And so often they will take your smaller kidney. Okay. But in my case, mine were the exact same size. So I asked why they took the left and they said it's easier anatomically so that they don't have to move the liver. Oh, okay. Because they take it out through the front. Okay, from the front, so they go, uh, so they go around, wait a second, let me get my anatomy. They go kind of like around the stomach. Yeah, so the interesting thing is when I came out of surgery, my spleen ached. Like I felt like I'd been punched in the spleen. Yeah. And I asked the surgeon, and maybe they're not used to people knowing their anatomy. (laughs) And I said to the surgeon, I was like, my spleen is really sore. And the surgeon said, well, we had to move it to get out the mm-hmm. kidney. Huh? And I was like, so oh, matter God. of fact, I didn't even think about it. <laughs> so, so totally they moved stomach and spleen completely out of the way. Mm-hmm. And my incisions are kind of in the middle of my abdomen on the top, um, at the front on the left-hand side. And then they put the kidney in a little bag. And then I have almost like a C-section scar where they brought the kidney out. Mm. And they bring out the ureter and everything. And then they, the surgery. So if you just have a kidney removal, typically it's like five hours, but because it's a kidney removal to then reuse the kidney in somebody else, Mm -hmm. it takes longer because everything has to be precise so that they can reuse it. Um, Mm. So it takes a little bit longer in that case. Um, So I felt like I managed my pain. Okay. Um, I'm sure like a lot of people listening, we don't take, I don't take a lot of pain meds. Um, so I was very uh, doped up on morphine for the first day. And yeah. I remember this, I remember telling them, I'm like, you're over medicating me. <laughs> and they're like, you need it. You'll go into shock. I'm like, okay. 
And then he comes in and he gets mad at me because I'm not drinking my water. And I'm like, I can't lift my arm up. And then he goes, oh, God, we are over. Which one? The left one? (laughs) I couldn't lift any arm. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, oh, my God, we are over medicating you. So he took me off all morphine and gave me just like single Tylenol. And I was like, thank you. That's all I wanted. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Wild. I mean, there's a there's a ligament between the the spleen and the kidney. They had to cut that one. And uh, as a sort of expert in visceral anatomy, I'm like, I'm wondering what else. Yeah. So I've been seeing an osteopath quite regularly to help. And the interesting, most interesting thing about this now is that anytime I get sick now, which is not that often, but you get a cold or anything now, my spleen hurts now. Ooh. No. Mm-hmm. Wonder if like spleen organotherapy would be nice for yeah, you. Yeah. So there's a product yeah. by Physica, Fisca. Spleen LF. Yeah. I was just going to, I was literally thinking that. Yeah. It's thymus. It's and- amazing. So <laughs> it's I, amazing. Take that, I take that now every day. And I would okay. recommend anyone that had an organ removed to take that because it's got all a lot of the organotherapy in there, plus the thymus for the immune system and some mm-hmm. mushrooms. So it's like an amazing. Yeah. And like adaptogens and a, a mushroom blend and yeah. like rhodiola and stuff. It's so actually post-surgery, really nice. that would be great. I also um, did the Pasco like detox, homeopathic detox kit. Mm-hmm. I love that. The whole body cleanse because it, it addresses the lymphatic system, the gut, the liver, the kidney. It addresses all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I drank a ton of nettle tea, dandelion leaf tea specifically because it's more of a kidney support. Um, I did those on the regular. Um a lot of probiotics because I had IV antibiotics during the surgery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was putting like um, Arnica pellets and I did a lot. I did Staphysagria for incisions, Bellis mm-hmm. Prentis for like Bellis Prentis specifically for like the trauma to the organs, the mm-hmm. internal organs. And then I did Arnica and I took those like fairly consistently during the surgery, like every half an hour when I thought of it, I would just like put them in my mouth um, it was interesting though. Like, so, you know, you've just, you just had a kidney removed and you want to think like, Hey, you want to do like juices, like fresh juices and water and like teas and all these like lovely nutritive foods and your post surgery, you've had just a kidney removed meal from the hospital. Oh, was... I can't even, I'm not even prepared for this. I don't <laughs> wait for it. Wait. wait, wait, wait. Does it have any jello? Oh, it had jello. Yes. It had blue jello. Blue dye is so good for the kidneys. So this this was guys, this was my meal. I had uh, Canada dye ginger ale, a cup of coffee and blue jello. Amazing. I'm sorry. That was my, that was my post surgery. You just had an organ out. Here's some nutrition. Uh, The F. So this is what, so in my, in my morning stupor, I said, I'm not drinking or eating any of that. And, and then they said, well, you have to. And then he said, I'm not, I'm not going to. And then, so I sent my husband out for like a fresh juice from like a juice, like a freshly squeezed juice from one in town. And he brings it back and I start drinking that. And the surgeon comes in and he picks it up and he looks at it and he goes, well, I hope there's no chemicals in that. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I can't. Uh, and in my drunk or in not drunken, in my like morphine high, I looked at him and I said, you wanted me to eat fucking blue jello. <laughs> did, I, did you? Did you? Oh, and then he goes, but then he says, You're right. Never mind. Go ahead and have your juice. Like, what? Good. Good. But still. medicine is interesting, eh? Because you got to be very, we got to be so 
grateful for the crazy cool stuff they can do. And then you right. go, what are you doing? I, I know. know. They, removed, they removed your kidney with yeah. such precision. Yes. To respect yeah. your body. Yes. To respect your body. And then they wanted to just fill you up with chemicals after. Like yeah. the, 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 the hilarity. Well, I don't of know if they want to fill no, you but, up with chemicals. Huh, I don't, I don't honestly, think. I don't just, think, I don't, I don't want to say like that. I would say I they just don't. Yeah, you can. It's, I don't just, care. it's just like an uneducated it's just, meal. It's just, That's all. Yeah, it feels so, so disconnected. Over- it's look. very disconnected, right? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. funny because even my sister, I remember she was in the hospital with gestational diabetes and she was like, you guys, she was texting us in the hospital and she's like, you guys are not going to believe what they just brought me. <laughs> it was like peas, coffee, and mashed peas? potatoes or something. So it was just all carbs mm. and then coffee. And she's like, this, this, is a di- <laughs> this is a diabetic meal. She was like, it's just literally all carbs. Well, and the, yeah. And the problem is it's like, so non-nutrient supportive and like, no, well, yeah, so yeah, let's, let's yeah. Tie yeah. that into like, I don't, cause I, so again, I, there's so many, but the whole reason we're not passed cause we see flaws in the conventional system. Exactly. Right. But yeah. I just, I just so find it such that an interesting, it's just such an interesting yeah. disconnect that that's your recovery oh, meal, but the precision crazy. to actually remove the kidney yep. was so precise. And yeah, then there's, less, and then there's like, no precision in the follow through. The, the paradox right? of that is, it's crazy. So is this, let's bring this back to like advocating. Is this part of your, advocating sort of thing, Sarah? Well, so not really, to be honest, I haven't really gone there. I mean, I'd love to, but I'm focusing more on making sure that transplants are accessible to everybody. So I'm glad you bring that in. Advocacy comes in. So for example, if you drink alcohol, you don't, you don't qualify for liver. If you like at all, at all. Ever like right. if you've drunk alcohol in the last two years, you don't qualify. Oh, no, like, you I would. Don't... You okay. you would. But if you drink it. it on a regular basis, got it. I see. You wouldn't qualify. Okay. okay. If you um, you know, if like currently right now, if you're unvaccinated, you do not qualify for a liver transplant or a kidney transplant or a transplant in general. Silence, please. Oh my god, that is crazy. That is crazy. If I if I say too much. I I'm scared. Myself. I think the 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 fewer things we say right now may be more impactful. If wow. you if you are unvaccinated, you are not eligible for an organ donation. No, this is the state of our healthcare system. Okay, you, wow. UHN put it in first. They decided that that was a role. Uh, I immediately emailed my surgeon and the team at London, which is where I had my surgery, um, and said all the reasons why I really hope that they wouldn't put this in place. And they did. Um, and there's only three hospitals in Ontario that do transplants, Hamilton, London, and Toronto. But if you are unvaccinated, you can donate, though. You can donate. But you cannot receive anything. You cannot receive I don't think I'll ever understand the rationale behind that. Um, I'm trying and failing. I would, failing. I mean, I would like, I would like someone to explain that to me, but I have a hard time seeing the, how to connect the dots on that personally. But uh, that's very frustrating. You already hinted as well that some of the decisions are quite political when you were talking about your dad. Yes. Obviously, this was not part of the situation back then. No. 
this is a more recent development. (laughs) Um, Are you able to speak on some of the other limitations? So like if you drink alcohol, you're not eligible for liver transplant. Obviously in current society, if you're unvaccinated, you will not be able to get a life saving organ. Um, Yeah, there's just, I mean, I think we all know that like it's such a big business, right? And Mm -hmm. we, we don't treat people like numbers in our profession. We treat people like individuals and we really truly do want them to be better. Mm-hmm. And I think when you get immersed in a system that's broken, you just realize all of these flaws. And it's just, it's really disheartening that people get, can be treated like that. Yeah. And, you know, to look at someone's life because maybe they've chosen not to be vaccinated, that is worth less than somebody else's and you both need kidneys, but yeah. the person who's vaccinated will get it over the unvaccinated person because their life is worth less. Like who gets to make that call? Who gets yeah. to say that? Who gets to say that? To say like who? 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 Ministry of Health? It's the hospital? I don't know. Like who's who's the one who's making that call to say which? Which like is that's- like <clears throat> that's crazy. And which is given? I mean, any sort of balanced view of science, whatever. I mean, science is a religion now. It almost seems like, but any sort of attempt to balance uh, the scientific understanding of that stuff, it seems more like a ideological belief rather than a uh, a health care choice because it's so uh it it's it could be seen in so many different ways depending on what you read and and uh yeah that's crazy yeah i'm sorry so my, my so the friend who i donated the kidney to his name is john and wow. him and i have been scheming we both like advocacy and social justice and that's a big part of who we are. And especially when it is a topic that people don't want to talk about that Mm -hmm. I think needs, we need to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but him and I also are the type of people that love like community and like having a good time. And (laughs) so we're trying to think of how we can raise awareness and have advocacy, but make it fun and something that you can do in the community. So we're still kind of, working trying to work with the tap organization as well but do sort of our own separate thing that's bringing more awareness to these subtle issues that the tap organization won't touch on because they're organized through the hospital mm-hmm. yeah sarah was was there any um what other sort of unique sort of stuff did you experience post uh donation did you was there anything like you know the, the organs can hold emotions and and like you've gone through something pretty probably emotional in a and deep in some ways is there any sort of like other stuff that you wouldn't maybe think of you would feel after a donation that Mm -hmm. you did feel going through it um but it just seemed physically okay i have one less kidney and uh, there's uh, some space there that's you know oh got some scar tissue was it just like that or was there was there anything like unpredictable that sort of happened there wasn't really anything unpredictable and i sort of did it to close a chapter in my life like Mm. i felt like you know i couldn't do it for my dad so i wanted to do it for my friend sorry yeah 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 so i think it was good Mm -hmm. like like emotional in a good way i think like it was Mm -hmm. like a i was able to like finish off that story Hmm. it was meaningful Uh, yeah but 
yeah, I felt like the brain fog, like from a side effect, if I was, if anyone was going to do it, I felt so stupid after mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was like, I remember I bought all these books and I was lying in bed and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to read all these books. Like it's the perfect time. Like no one's going to be bothering me. I'm not working. I can just read all these lovely books <laughs> and I would open them and I'd get through one sentence and I'm like, I can't read it. Like I can't even like nothing was registering. Mm-hmm. It was just, I would just lie there in this like daisy fog. And then I remember about eight weeks after the surgery, finally the cloud lifted. Eight weeks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It took eight weeks for my cloud to lift. Holy Hannah. Yeah. And then I know, and I went back to work at six weeks and I remember being there with patients. And I said to my receptionist, when it came out for, for Heather, I was like, Heather, I, I don't think I should be here. Like I'm so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember anything. <laughs> oh my God. And then, and then at eight weeks, it was literally like, a, like a, something clicked. And I was like, oh my God, I'm back. And even my husband mm-hmm. was like, oh, there you are. Like he could tell. Like it was like, yeah. it just, like it just kind of was like, I don't know if the anesthetic finally was out of my system or your body finally recovered. And But they had said like recovery for that se- procedure to be 100% back to yourself is a year. But where you can go back to work is usually eight to 12 months. Wow. That's significant though. Like that's a crazy, yeah. that's a crazy price to pay. And, and, and um, like, I mean, that's, there's so much that you did by, by donating, but that's, that's an important pragmatic sort of thing too. That's a, that's a commitment on so many levels. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. a big commitment. So. Yeah. And you know, this is, if anyone else is listening, who's considering of donating, who's self-employed, there is a program through the Trillium, which is the like organ donations um, group through Ontario. Um, And they actually like, they, they don't pay you to be off, but I was able to apply for EI when Mm -hmm. I was off, even though as self-employed people, we don't pay into EI. It's a special program that if you're off because you've donated, you're able to receive that money for um the time that you're off so that was kind of a neat plus that's nice it's good to know yeah because often a self-employed person you're like well i i'd love to do that but i can't be out you know three months of work right yeah yeah so that was kind of a nice little bonus that they that they had said so yeah that's amazing yeah are there things that you feel like people should be aware of um aside from that uh, as to consider becoming an organ donor, do you feel like there are some really important take homes that people should really take to heart? I don't know. Like, I, I just think if you, I mean, it's tough to be like an anonymous donor, but if you know of anyone in your life that, that ever suggests that they may need an organ, I would highly consider, you know, I'm it my, yeah, of course my first, probably my first couple months were rough, but now I'm followed by a nephrologist and I get blood work done annually um that's it and he just double checks to make sure that everything's okay and so far mm-hmm. like everything's great mm-hmm. um and then i feel 100 percent like i did before um 100 percent. yeah i feel 100 percent now yeah the only difference the only difference is this random spleen pain that i get when i get sick now <laughs> that reminds me that i'm not myself exactly oh my Sarah, i don't know if it's so random no, it's not random. Yes. It feels random when you've never had it before, right? Yeah. And then and then how is your friend's recovery? Everything is good there. Like his recovery is okay. Because for him, he also for people who are 
receiving organs, then they would also need to be on certain types of medication to not reject yeah, the organ, et cetera. Exactly. So, so do you find, so from, well, obviously we can't share too much of his experience because that's his personal experience, but you said you started attracting people who might need support in this. So are you working with people who are receivers of organs as well? And how yeah, does quite a few, this? quite a few actually. And so as naturopaths, I mean, they're going to be on anti-rejection meds for life and they're going to typically are also on prednisone for life. Hmm. So for life, the, eh? Yeah, typically. Jeez. And a low dose, but five milligrams typically is what I've seen. So the what we can they're do is yeah, yeah, they're alive. Yeah. Seriously. So I find like honestly, I find acupuncture is super helpful for mm-hmm. those patients. Um, and like osteopath work and like visceral manipulations, because you don't have to worry about interference with medications, but there can be yeah, yeah. modalities. Totally. Um I also find like homeopathic remedies are great for those situations. Um, and like the gemotherapies and all the, the great complex homeopathics are really great and really helpful. Um, I know in, in John's case, I think, well, I think in anyone that receives an organ, they feel great right away because they went from zero to like 50. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Where, where the people who donate go from a hundred to 50. <laughs> So you're, you're, I remember getting wheeled into the surgery and I was like, I feel really great. I feel really weird that you're rolling me in. Like I could be walking in. Right. But it's just the, the way that it's done mm-hmm. where, you know, if you're receiving the organ, you're going in there and you're, you know, if you don't get this, you're, you're going to die. So mm-hmm. you feel like crap and then you get an organ. And then now all of a sudden you feel like you feel amazing. So mm-hmm. the recovery typically with someone who's received an organ is actually better than the person that's donated the organ. Interesting. Because I mean, often there's more of a net positive, I guess you could say, right? Yeah. Totally. Respectively, respectively. Respectively. Yeah. And I think their, their recovery is more linked to how they react to the new medications. Like often you cause a lot of nausea and they can cause a lot of stomach upset and they can cause a lot of fatigue, but again, we can help naturopathically with a lot of those side effects Mm -hmm. and with teas and like certain foods you could be doing um, to negate some of those side effects in the beginning, your body eventually acclimatizes, but it's quite tough in the beginning. Those meds are really difficult, especially the anti-rejection meds. Yeah. Which would you say that's the most difficult part of it is the actual medications rather than the, the integration of the organ itself. I would say the patients that I've seen. Yeah. It's the, the medications. Yeah. I think their body's body's so happy to have a functioning organ that that's not usually the piece Mm -hmm. that's, troublesome i think it's the medications and the side effects but without them they would die right they're, they're necessary right. medications but it's just how we can co-manage some of these side effects to help these patients through um being on these for life right like so the acupuncture are- and osteopathic helpful for the integration but any other tricks that you sort of think are helpful for dealing with the medications because you i guess if you're seeing this you know more well you're seeing i think i have one patient who has who, ha, who gave an organ i don't know if okay. i have any more so yeah you, the receiving of the organs different right because they're the yeah meds, right right yeah. so you may have you've probably seen more because prednisone it's it's a it's a classic sort of like there's a theme here with like kind of with what we're talking about here is how amazing medicine is and can be and then the shortcomings of being so focused on only the things that's really good at you can almost say that's like the case with some of these drugs too like prednisone like amazing it's like some people's lives are just saved by prednisone yeah. like all the time but it's also yeah. a brutal drug <laughs> you know you know so yeah. are you getting are you finding any uh tricks of the trade in terms of like helping people deal with that because i bet you that would be helpful for a lot of people because there's a lot of people on prednisone yeah totally i find that like I know Ribes, Nigra, mm. 
gemotherapy. Yep. I use that a lot, that. which I yeah. find really helps with people on um, prednisone. Helps protect the adrenal glands, which are, as we know, affected with prednisone, right? And prednisone also affects calcium. So having people on a good like calcium magnesium. And if if they're still noticing inflammation, another good like anti-inflammatory as well. Um, sometimes, I don't know if other naturopaths do this, but I often order homeopathics from Helios in the UK that match the drug that the patient's on to help negate mm. the side effects. So I'll order like homeopathic prednisone and I'll put them on that to help um, help nice. with the side effects. Mm-hmm. And I find that that can be really helpful too. Not in every case, but in some cases, right? You always want to try mm-hmm. whatever you can. Um, and I often find once they start, especially after a transplant, your dose of prednisone is quite high. And then eventually your stable maintenance dose is quite low. So once like about five milligrams. So once you're on the five milligram dose, I don't find the side effects as great. And most people don't notice they're on it. Like they do at the right. heart where you get like the swelling face yeah, and, and you're getting the side effects from it. It's not right. quite as bad. And then with the anti-rejection drugs with the, with the nausea and those side effects, I find that they eventually do wear as well once your body gets used to it. But I know in some cases I've just honestly done ginger tea or like ginger tablets and those help mm. basic and helpful, but just yeah. to kind of mm-hmm. get through, just trying to get through the initial shock of your body getting used to this. And then it, it yeah. just kind of wears. Interesting. So nausea, yeah. fatigue, those tend to, and like the, the prednisone effects seem to be the most prominent. Yeah. That's those, experience. that's typically what I've seen seems to be the m- most troublesome on the other side of, on the other side of like receiving the organ versus donating. Mm-hmm. Cause after you donate, there's, you know, I'm not on medications, right? Like you're right. like, you're other than being monitored annually, you're not, nothing's changed as far as my biochemistry or my, my health. And are you mm-hmm. going to be monitored annually for life? Okay. I was going to say, <clears throat> yeah, just to make sure that your, your yeah. thing you're looking at is a okay. Yeah. And they don't technically like, you know, of course, when you go in, they say, they don't know if it'll change your lifespan. Like they, they assume that it won't but they've only been doing live living donors for about 40 years. Mm -hmm. So let's say the first one they did it with, the person was 20. Well, now they're 60. So they still don't know if, if full lifespan will be affected. Like Mm -hmm. they're not assuming that it will be, but they they can't say for certain because they haven't done it on enough people that have lived out their full lives to know if that's what they ended up passing from. Well, it's a good sign if they don't know yet. Exactly. That's what I thought. And I thought, you know, And then I think like a ton of people are only born with one kidney and it's common to live with Mm -hmm. one kidney, right? And even, and the liver, if you donate part of your liver, it grows back. Mm -hmm. Your liver is so regenerative. It's wild. But the thing is, is like, I think it's also testament to how well you take care of yourself. You are very well versed on how to properly honor your system, right? And I think that's also where the conversations come as naturopaths. You know, yes, this is something you went through, but here are the things that we can just give your body the basic building blocks it needs to work optimally on your behalf and not fill it up with excessive garbage unnecessarily. And then I think everyone's chance of living along with one kidney or two kidneys, you know, is exactly. So I feel like this is where we double down on our naturopathic principles and teach people how to just actually take care of themselves. Yeah. There's a really good, I don't know if you guys remember, but Dr. Quinn Rivett, Mm-hmm. who's a naturopath. Um, I had a meeting with him a couple of times about po- a polycystic kidney case. That yeah. I so he, he needed a kidney transplant and he's his whole, 
career now is focusing on like naturopathic nephrology. Yeah. Um, and he, I don't know if he's practicing anymore. I don't think he is. Um, I don't think so either. No. I think he gave it but up. He's, a few years he's written a book. Um, and, but he, he's an amazing resource just for information for us, particularly kidney transplants. Mm-hmm. Well, and your, your case actually reminds me of, of one of the very few probiotics that I keep in stock, which is Renadryl. Renadryl. I use that too. So I yeah. learned that from you, Dave, you taught me about that like five years ago. Oh, that's funny. And I like, I remember you posted about it and I was like, oh my God, this is the best. It's like specifically a probiotic for helping with getting rid of like, isn't that cool? From the kidney. It's amazing. Yeah. So I stock that and every one of my patients that either has had a kidney removed or only has one kidney, I have them on Renadryl. Um, I take it myself and I gave it to my um, um, donor, John. For John. Yeah. He also takes it as well. Um, so thank you, Dave, for that. You taught me about <laughs> that. And I remembered it and now I keep it in stock. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. So, it's, one of the, it's the coolest little thing because it's a, it's a probiotic that eats urea. Yeah. And so and it, it helps eats, to get rid of kidney waste, right? It, yeah. So, so, yeah. By take, so that like, would be good for like any, most kidney concerns. I give it to anyone with kidney concerns because it eats urea, which is a nephrotoxin. So anything yeah. you can do to decrease your urea nephrotoxic yeah. effect, i.e. take this bug that lives on it, which is hilarious. It's, yeah. it's food is something that's toxic to us. So yeah, it's neat. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So anytime anyone has anything kidney, I'll use that. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Renadryl. I'm going to have to look that one up because I have, I think it's Renadyl. If you ever, Renadyl. I don't think there's an R. N-A-D-Y-L. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I Very forget cool. the company that I order it from, but it's a uh, Kibo Biotech in Canada. There you go. Yeah. No plug there and for uh, Kibo Biotech, but uh, <laughs> that's the only place you'll get it. <laughs> Natural. So currently that's, I don't, I don't take a ton of supplements. I'm not a very good naturopath, but that is. One that <laughs> no, that means you're a good naturopath. I think. <laughs> I don't need a lot, but that is one that and vitamin D are probably the two things that I take on a regular basis. Yeah, cool. I took more obviously in recovery, but once I felt like I'd recovered, then I, um, I don't take a lot. So yeah, just those two. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. This is, this was interesting. Dave, any final thoughts or questions? Uh, no, just not questions really. Uh, more just thanks for, uh, there being people like, uh, Sarah Hawthorne around, um, like I said, I wasn't surprised when you did it. I wasn't surprised it wasn't your family. I'm uh, also not surprised you joined a whole bunch of advocacy groups. And <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know how you get your shit done, but... Um, I don't sleep. <laughs> don't say that. I don't yeah, you're also a bad natural. <laughs> no, but you're, you're, such, you're so great. And, uh, and thank God you're doing this work because it's, um, it's really important. And again, it highlighted uh, how how well it's it's sort of the whole idea of the podcast and naturopathic medicine in general is like man we're very appreciative for the amazing things that happen in hospitals at times they're saving, they're saving lives all the time but we're also man we're short-sighted in terms of our approach to uh a more comprehensive handling of this sort of stuff and it's like it's almost hilarious what you're getting fed after you get a transplant if it wasn't so sad it would be hilarious yeah. um so it's like a microcosm of a lot here with naturopathic medicine, this actual podcast, um, 
we're doing so much right, I guess, but the, man, we could do so much that could be done better too, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks so much. Thanks, thanks for thanks bringing for this to our attention. Yeah. Thanks for bringing this to our attention and to our audience's attention. This was great. Yeah. And if anyone's concerned about, you know, the fact that you cannot get an organ right now without being vaccinated, make sure that you reach out to your MP, your MPP. Yeah. yeah. Because you're allowed use your voices. You use, use your voice because they're the ones that, you know, they're your voice, right? Yeah. You're allowed to have uh, an opinion. Yeah. And that's, that's important. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Thank you, Sarah. Awesome. Thanks, you're welcome. Sarah. Thanks guys.